Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastolka. I am happy to say with me today, I've got Ben Zimmer here, and we're going to be talking about building effective corporate learning systems. And yes, I had to look at my notes because that was more than two words, but we're going to talk about building effective corporate systems. We're going to go over Ben's background. I mean, Ben has been at this over 15 years developing learning technology for people. I'm excited to talk to you today, Ben. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Damon. Awesome, man. So like we said, you you started a company, Enable Education, 16 plus years ago now. Yeah. And as I was doing research to this and you're developing education technology, uh, what was happening? Because I can't remember five years ago, less a year ago, less than 15, 16 years ago. What were you guys doing back in the beginning? What? I mean, because you're an educator. That's right. But let's hear about your background. And then I got to go into what, what it was. Tell us about your background first. I'm yeah, gonna... well, I, I'm happy to, to talk about that. And I often refer to myself as, a, as an incidental entrepreneur. Like it was never the plan. I, I often stop and take stock and I'm like, this is a bit of a surprise where I am and what I'm doing today. Nice. Um, I grew up in a teaching family. Parents were both teachers. I, uh, I'm, I'm still happily married to my high school girlfriend who was a teacher who comes from a family of teachers. So it's like education was in the blood. <laughs> and you know, there's that scene from The Godfather, right? Like he thought he yeah. was out, but they, they pulled him back pulled in. Back so in. yeah, um, I actually started off in industry as a software developer. So I came to education in a slightly tangential way. And for, you know, for many years, I was working in the manufacturing space, mm -hmm. writing software for assembly lines. And, yeah. you know, that I loved that. I was okay at it. And what I didn't love about it was, you know, being shipped around the world with these machines. Um, and for all those out there in the manufacturing world who are the software men and women, you're the ones who have to fix it at the end when yeah. nothing works perfectly. Fix it in yeah. software. Um, so I had an opportunity, um, this was back in, in 2005, to leave that world because I was working like a dog and I was traveling oh, yeah. a lot. And I you know, wasn't living my best life. I mean, that wasn't words mm -hmm. that people said in the early 2000s, but it's, it's absolutely true. So I had this opportunity to go teach at a college and I took a really big pay cut happily to do so. And I taught yeah. project management and software development, a couple other things. And uh, it was great for about eight weeks until all of the college profs went on strike. And uh, I'm Canadian. I live in the province of Ontario. All of the college profs in Ontario and my wife at the time was also teaching at a college. It's like, Okay, well, this 75% pay cut to leave industry to go teach 
became a hundred percent pay cut. Yeah. What do we do now? And yeah. um, it was as I said, on, incidental entrepreneur. It was a no-brainer. It was time to like talk to some of the people I know and figure out how the how the heck I'm going to make a little bit of money um, yeah. as a consultant doing some work on the side for them. And and that that's what happened. And that's when you know my company, which was uh, founded as Enable Training and Consulting Inc. Uh, you talk about it being enough words that you have to look it up. Enable Training and Consulting Inc. was founded so that you know I could do some of this consulting work. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the strike didn't last forever. It was a you know a couple months or a number of weeks, and and but here I was now with the company doing some consulting, and you know realizing oh I I guess I can do this. I guess I can make money as a in as a single solopreneur. And I swear I'm get the story is going there, going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things I got involved in was this high school robotics competition. And because of my background doing cool stuff in, in assembly lines and controls and yeah. robotics, I learned that this competition, there's like 200,000 kids that do this in the US. It's, wow. it's called, called First Robotics. It's the largest robotics competition since then. It's grown even more. And they switched to this weird platform that no one had heard of that happened to be my area of expertise. And so I saw it out a school near me to like, I think I can help. Let me go mentor. Yeah. And I mentored this team and I realized that this was kind of in the outskirts of Toronto and I realized that nobody knew how to use this platform. So I made some videos as one does. I made some videos, made them available for all people to see. And they went viral within this robotics community. And I got this phone call from this company. This company is called National Instruments that makes this hardware. They said, hey, we keep getting thanked for our great training videos at all of these regional <laughs> competitions. We're not doing any training videos. Who the heck are you? Come talk to us. And I got invited by them to the world championships that were in Atlanta that year. And I kind of felt like a little bit of a rock star, right? He's yeah. just some, some nerdy yeah. dude doing lab view videos about how to yeah. teach these kids how to program this slightly esoteric programming language. And people recognized me. Like, oh, I get recognized by my voice a couple of times. It's like, oh, my goodness. This is bizarre, right? Um, and, you know, my little taste of fame aside, um, it became obvious pretty quickly that there was a business model here to create these yeah. kinds of learning content for companies and particularly companies that have kind of complex engineering tools. And so within the first couple years of Enable Training and Consulting Inc's life, we rebranded as Enable Education. And we started doing more and more of this learning content as our product and we picked up some really cool clients. Uh, Lego Education was a particularly special client of ours in the early years. And we created the classroom curriculum for kids in third through fifth grade to use the kind of the more junior robotic stuff. And it was mm-hmm. a huge project for us. I mean, I was maybe five or six people at the time. I remember calling up my, um, my counterpart, my client, and he's like, I really need you to do photography. Can you do all this stuff? Because I'm not able to access the resources internally to do all this. And of course, my answer to anything when someone says, can you do this? is, of course we can. Yeah. Like, 
okay, now how do how do we do this? Yeah, I need we to buy a camera. Really Someone needs to figure out camera <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. And we did that. And that's how that's how Enable Enable grew over time to do a lot of different kinds of learning. And not just the content, but also starting to focus on the delivery technology. And like in those really early days, in like 2008-ish, there weren't a lot of learning management system solutions mm -hmm. out there to be had. And, you know, the ones that were there were still in development and it wasn't clear. And they would primarily be used um, in schools, colleges, universities. Yeah. And like for a business, a company, like, well, like Lego education, it's like, we've made these great content and they exist as a DVD and some yeah. printed stuff in a binder. <clears throat> but the experience of our client's client, the learner, these kids is, hey, I'm doing some cool robotics programming on a laptop. And like, what now? I'm supposed to pop this CD in and, and open this manual and yeah. like flip through pages. So very quickly, we realized we can actually help a lot by providing not just content, but also delivery mechanisms. Um, and like for Lego, for example, that those couple of years, it meant, you know, building installable content programs that would serve up this the same material um, on the on the computer that the kids were playing on. Yeah. And over time, that has evolved a lot into um, integrating with some industry standard learning management systems. Gosh, I think over the years we've built five different LMSs oh, wow. for our clients most yeah. of the time. Um, and so as a services firm, and I had to make a decision kind of early on with Enable. It's like, okay, are we going to try and sell content? <clears throat> do we want to be a product company or a services company? And mm -hmm. Do we want to focus on just engineering tools or just robotics for kids? And the decision was made, and, and in retrospect, I'm really happy with this decision, was to be, oh, no, we're a services firm. We're going to do yeah. whatever our client needs. They're going to pay us fairly for it. And at the end of it, they're going to own it. And then it's like, lather, rinse, repeat. Now we got to start again. Um, what we were great at was keeping that client so that they would come back to us for the next thing. And yeah. we became generalists, if you will, in terms of the content. So we had to kind of separate ourselves from being perceived to be robotics for kids and stuff like that. That was how mm -hmm. we started. But we got really, really good at leveraging the subject matter expertise that our clients had. Yeah. And like wrapping that up in like best practices for learning how to make it engaging, how to make it interactive, how to serve it up. And um, gosh, I, I don't even remember what question you asked me. You just well, let me monologue it's your here. history, but this is really good though, because it's because it, I'm, I'm learning a lot from this because you guys got good at developing effective digital learning. Right. If I'm not, if I'm not, I'm probably not even using it right, but, but because yeah. you weren't a, a, a subject matter specialist, you were, how do we make this the best experience for the people, for the, the students or people right. that want to learn? How do we That's make right. this the best, most effective? What's the best use? How do we serve up? What kind of format? You know, because there's so many decisions. We, we, we fooled around with some of our own course, uh, uh, digital courses last summer, I think mm -hmm. again. Uh, but, and 
there are so many different decision points. How long a video do you have before you ask some questions? What, I mean, how many questions do you ask? And then you go, how big can a course be? How small should it be? What's, it, there's just so many, how many, if you put a, a course into modules to try to get through a big subject, how many modules really make sense to have a, it's just, or do you break it into multiple courses? It's, there's just so much to understand, especially when you look at some of the things that you can be talking about in a highly engineered product. I right. mean, cause there's a whole, you know, here's your control panel, just explaining control panel on something. And if, but if there was a programming language, I, I just can't even under, I, I can't, I can't even put my head around it right now. Well, I, I, I love that you brought that up, Damon, because like we do as much stuff now, like training salespeople, or we don't train salespeople, we create programs that train salespeople. Um, or we will, as we do kind of the complex engineering software training kind of stuff. So it's as much about soft skills and leadership and diversity, equity, inclusion content as it is about, you know, here's how to drag the mouse around to achieve this result from your complicated software. And you, you bring up a great point. And I love that you did about like the decision points that you face oh. in trying to decide what to do. And I will say if we productized one thing over the last kind of five, six years, it's a process that we have honed. And of course we call it the enable analysis process. And okay. it's a process where we spend time with our client in an analysis phase to understand their learners, yeah. their content, the learning objectives. And it's, it's really interesting because, like I said, we're never the subject matter experts. So we're going to talk to someone, you know, at an engineering firm about engineering or at an accounting firm about accounting. And they know everything about that. But the way that my team asks questions has them going, oh, wait, I, I, let me think about. And there's some non-obvious questions that it's really important to put down. And that can help mm -hmm. us answer those questions because there are answers to those questions. Yeah. How long should it be? Um, should it be fully online? Should it be fully in person? Should it be live? Should it be asynchronous? Yeah. Should it be interactive? Um, should it just be text that people read or should it be beautifully produced videos? The answer is all of that in combination, yeah. but the combination can only be determined by like, the needs of those learners. And every learner in every situation is unique. And of course, it's balanced by budget. You know, everyone, yeah, you know, I yeah. would love it and everyone would love it if it was all beautifully produced video and beautiful interactive simulated 3D game stuff. Um, but nobody has those kinds of checks to write. But if yeah. you in the audience do have a check to write, it's ben at enableeducation.com. Um, yeah. But that is really pivotal because experts in learning can go there. They can provide a path and answers to those questions. Yeah. And our experience is that every client we have, they are a subject matter expert and yeah. they start to become uncomfortable answering those kinds of questions about how to structure the learning. Um, and our ultimate goal, and we called it enable for a reason is to, you know, support our clients to do a great job 
training because we are never, ever the ones in a training room. We're never, mm -hmm. ever the ones on screen when stuff is yeah. being recorded. Um, we have to support them to create great stuff because only they know their stuff and only they know their learners, whether it's their customers mm -hmm. or their employees. Yep. That's awesome because you be, well, you have been in this long enough that you've actually developed the systems around asking the right questions to develop better learning platforms and the way you're you're, you're delivering the content you know it's like you said it's just how much of it is it in even even if you're going to do a webinar how much is it how much do you cover in a webinar how much is homework you know just or, or pre-sent out when you're doing this tech there's just so many questions and a subject matter expert that's we were trying to do this last year as subject matter experts it stinks because you it, it takes you a hundred 200 times before you really go that didn't work this worked a little better that didn't work and you guys have gone through a lot of that for people with enable there and can help them get to that end point where it's real effective much much faster yeah i i think that's 100 percent correct and you know and i have a lot of patience and compassion for people like yourself as you're describing last summer um, because it's it's impossible to see it when you're in the thick of it. Oh yeah, right. It's impossible, um, especially if you're if you're on screen waving your hands around trying to convey with passion some interesting information that people need to receive. You don't have the ba the bandwidth. There's no cognitive load left for you to be really observing and thinking and watching and reflecting. Like, so what does that mean? Now you've got another person on the call with you watching and listening. Maybe that would be nice. Mm -hmm. But in reality, like we're all time and resource constrained, right? There's, there's barely time to do the things that we want to do. Um, so yeah. I have nothing but support and compassion for people who, who at least try in the first place. Um, yeah. Because unfortunately, I think every business leader will say that training is important. 100% of them will say it. They will also say that it's number six on their list of five things to do this month. Yes. Every single month. And yeah. it is the rare business leader um, that um, will have the ability to say yes to this if they haven't kind of been burned, really burned by the lack of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's some really interesting statistics that kind of talk about that. Um, and, you know, and that in itself is, is part of what, you know, led us to, you know, contemplate starting a new business, a secondary business. Mm -hmm. Well, so let me, I got, I got some more questions on this because it, because when, when you started this, I, I got to think back because, you know, video learning, putting videos on YouTube to teach people stuff. I mean, we're talking 15, 16 years ago, so that's 2005-ish. Were people even really doing that at all? Or was I it think Khan Academy existed. I, it was kind of just going viral in that time frame. Uh -huh. um, and, and it was like, who is this guy teaching math to kids on, on this YouTube thing? So, I, I, you know, someone can fact check that later. I yeah, think I'm yeah. approximately correct. Um, LMSs did kind of exist and video 
certainly did exist. YouTube did exist. But yeah. I don't think people were using it super widely. Yeah. And if they were, you know, they're just showing up as subject matter experts talking about their thing and yeah. um, talking about the, their content to the best of their ability. Yeah. And, you know, certainly things have evolved over time. Yeah. So your initial things that you were working on were really about technical training and on specific products or, or stuff right. like that. Yeah. Well, when you look at where you came from in the, the automation world, I mean, that is just so, I mean, if you robotics, anything like that, there's so much to teach on just one piece of equipment or one, if you're going through a programming language or, or a college, just so much, there's so much. That's cool. Um, and I can think about it. I wrote it down too. There's somebody I want to connect you with that you guys love each other. Uh, you love talking because it's the technical training runs deep. Um, so you, you mentioned a little bit, you, we, we move fast forward. What were some of the big leaps or big technology leaps that you saw over that time so far? Sure. Yeah. The, the evolution of the, the more interactive learning. Um, and let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Video was novel enough in those first couple of years that people I think could watch if it, let's take the example of software training, like for robotics for kids, which is exactly mm -hmm. what, what I did all those years ago. I would do, a, and some of those videos were long, like thirty minutes. Like, can you can you imagine? And still, the kids totally soaked it up. They they were all over it because they needed that very specific piece of information. Yeah. They needed to do exactly what I was showing them to do. So they would do it. They would pause it. They try it on their on their own. They would get a result. They would unpause it, they would watch, then they would do the next thing and try it on their own. And that modality can work. <clears throat> and in fact, it was kind of all you could do back then because yeah. there wasn't the ability to easily create a video that had stuff interwoven with it, with it right? So that's when I, when I referred to more of an interactive learning. It's, it's now the kind of thing where you're, you're watching for a little bit or you're reading for a little bit. You don't leave that video like you're not like yeah. going from YouTube into a PDF and then going back to resume YouTube. It's all integrated. And, and you know, Adobe um, Captivate and a lot of people know Camtasia have heard the name Camtasia. People who had to do some of kind of their own homebrew training videos. They were really good at that. And you could drop in a button to to do something and you could drop in little questions and knowledge checks and stuff like that. And over the years, those tools have gotten so much easier to, to learn, which is, I mean, it's good and it's bad for a practitioner because now we're, yeah. you know, the, the internal learning teams can can do that stuff that required previously, um, you know, a, an expert who, you know, who, who had the tools and could, could use yeah. it. But I think it's great. Whenever that kind of capability gets democratized for everyone to use, it's just better because yeah. what happens, I mean, and this is true with everything. People are able to build it, but it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean yeah. it's thoughtful. It doesn't mean it achieves learning objectives. And so what that did for us was it allowed us to really hang a flag on our ability to create great learning experiences, to understand principles of instructional design and to kind of hang our, our hat on that. So like, yeah, you know, the evolution of, you know, from, from just producing a video and maybe using Camtasia to put some basic titles on it, um, you know, and then the extreme evolution of video production to today i mean there's great tools that run on your phone that allow you to make stuff that goes up on whatever instagram or tiktok where you've got things popping up and titles and stuff and whether or not 
the end result is palatable mm-hmm. is, is not my point. My point is it is easy to yeah. now do video editing. Um, yeah. It is easy to make quick hit content um, that is relatable and, and effective. It's, and then in the middle, there was an evolution of these tools that, that build out kind of a, have more of a flow to their learning and have assessment mm-hmm. checkpoints and that, that spit information out that goes into the learning management system that allows someone at the end of their learning to say, oh yeah, you know, this guy took the exit your way course and he got 87. So he gets a, a PDF certificate or something, a badge that he can put on his LinkedIn and all this stuff happens. So, you know, yeah. that also over the last decade has evolved from something that was very highly specialized to now something that you can kind of do pretty easily. Yeah. But back to what you said, I think is really the development of all those tools to make it easy was probably actually a good thing for you because you guys then got to focus on the science of learning. Right. And getting, like you said, getting really good at getting good learning materials, delivering the best content that got the subject matter through the best and in the right way and and those kind of things, because that's that's the valuable part. It's like it, it it's it's the getting the training uh, and and getting and training through the students effectively. Yeah. That's right. Um, and uh, you know it was interesting through that period as we were kind of honing on who our ideal client is um, and where we settled and and where we are now and where I think we're going to remain is. You know, we see Enable as, I don't want to use the term boutique because it sounds fancy. We're not yeah. fancy, but we are we are high end. And yeah. if you have a huge stack of stuff and you're like, uh, we want them all to be exactly like this, do a thousand of these. Um, we're not going to be cost effective because, you know, my yeah. team is all here yeah. In, yeah. In, in North America. We're all in Canada. Um, yeah. I'm not going to do it at overseas kinds of rates. Yeah. And there are lots yeah. of people that do. I think every business leader I know I do gets like two emails or more a month for someone offering to do overseas development of learning. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, if you and we have some clients where we do the, the analysis and the design and then the development gets done either by their internal teams that might be overseas or by mm-hmm. another vendor who can just mm-hmm. pump stuff out super cheap. Um, and we might do quality control on that. And that's, I'm really happy with that. But where we found our sweet spot is in the mid-market. So organizations that have, say, between 100 headcount and 1,000 headcount, mm-hmm. if we're creating content for their team. If it's customer-focused, they might be much smaller than that. Um, but yeah. they have a need to make sure the customer is successful. Because the organizations that are much bigger than that, they have their own learning and development. They have their own, and you know they would rather oftentimes have a siloed approach and grow their team and much smaller than that, you know, their needs are changing too quickly and sometimes they, they don't have the budget to afford it. So yeah. Yeah. Throughout all of this, you know, to, to your point, Damon, you know, we found that sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so, so let's, let's jump forward to when you guys saw sidekick and then I want to ask some other questions about applications because I, I, we talk about corporate learning systems and I have a lot of ideas, but I want to hear it from you. So let's talk about Sidekick because you guys you guys decided to develop a different kind of product 
to, yeah. to support learning. Because of, of the science and the, and the things you learned about over the years of, of developing these systems and delivering good, good content and effective content, you just talk about Sidekick a little bit and, and sure. explain that to us. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, a much briefer genesis than I did for Enable. So one of the other patterns that we determined, and this is kind of independent of the technology evolution, is say like five or six years ago, a lot of our clients were saying the learners don't want just self-paced learning. They don't want just e-learning. Um, they're not satisfied. They don't feel like they're connected. And there was a need to build learning programs. And I don't mean technology programs. I mean like learning experiences that had some percentage of it self-paced and some percentage of it in person led by a facilitator. And we call that blended learning. And the ratio varies, but it's usually like, imagine like three quarters of the learning you're doing on your own with headphones on at your desk. And then you come together once a week to hear someone wave their hands around and tell stories, cautionary tales and best practices and answer questions and mentor you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's related to the, the millennial workforce with a, a strong desire to feel connected mm -hmm. to their team. And, you know, when you show up, if it's an onboarding for a new job, you show up in a new job and someone hands you the equivalent of a big manual, but it is in fact like 12 hours of videos to watch. You actually don't yeah. feel very invested and you don't feel very. And so long story short, over the last five years, we've been building ton of these blended learning experiences. And, you know, as we said before, the people at our clients are subject matter experts, but they're not trainers or facilitators. So we have to make resources that make it easy for them to deliver great learning, that give them train the trainer guides and best practices. And don't forget to check in with everybody. Don't yeah. forget, don't just talk for two hours. People got to go to the bathroom. People got to get coffee. Yeah. And so that was one pattern. And of course, here we are at the, I'm going to say towards the end of a pandemic, but you know, COVID mm -hmm. hit and all of a sudden almost all businesses went work from home. Yeah. And put yourself in the place of that poor, poor facilitator, that poor soul who was just doing their best to tell their stories and wave their hand around in a training room or in a boardroom. All of a sudden they're in their basement talking to a bunch of blank screens because everyone turns their video off on Zoom going, I hope you're listening. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to keep talking. I might talk faster and faster. And I'm going to, and because I don't know what to do, I'm going to put up this slide deck that has 172 slides. And I'm just going to talk at you for an indeterminate amount of time. We all experienced it. I've been on both sides of oh, that. Yeah. I've been that guy yeah, yeah. as well as the person on the receiving end of it. And again, with compassion and understanding for these individuals, because they were never hired to be trainers. This is something they're doing off the side of their desk. And so these are our clients. We have to help. And, you know, mm -hmm. how do we help someone make the best of Zoom or Teams or whatever tool they're using? Okay, guess what? Zoom has breakout groups. You know how to do that? Well, I kind of, I think so. Okay, this is how you do breakout groups. Okay, but here's what to do in a breakout group. Yeah. Here's why to do a breakout group. You got 20 people in the room. Give them a case study, put them in groups of four, 
give them five minutes to talk about it. And when they come out, go around, ask and tell them in advance. I want one person to be chosen to talk for 45 seconds about your questions or concerns or whatever. And then you put a bit of a process around it. Okay, I can do that. Great. And you know, you can also do polls. And you know, Zoom didn't always have polls, it does now. And you know, there's mm -hmm. there's whiteboard tools that you can use. Zoom didn't always have them, but they do now. And there's all these tools that can be used to make the experience engaging and effective. And guess what? It 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 gives you a break from the talk, 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 talk. But it's not easy to administer. Right. And if you are there all by yourself using Zoom and you got buttons to push while you're also like it was difficult for people to achieve an engaging experience, um, mm -hmm. even though we help them design it. And what often happened, and you may have seen this, there's another warm body all of a sudden. A, a, a virtual training producer is the name of the yeah. title. Yeah, some, exactly. some other soul who's now sitting there being paid however much to sit in training meetings all day and just shuffle people into breakout groups and just to surface resources and, and to, and to say, Oh yeah, you hey, Damon, a uh, bill over there has got a question. I'm going to just yeah. touch that through. And, and that's to us, we're saying, wow, I really wish zoom did X, Y, Z. And I really wish teams did. Well, I wish teams did ABCD X, Y, Z. Um, and why don't we build that thing? So that was the basis for sidekick. You know, we felt that we were in a unique position as practitioners of best practices in learning mm -hmm. and as people who are like observing as people are stumbling with the tools as they are now. And like, I love Zoom. I think it's a great video conferencing tool. It was never designed for training. Yeah. Right? There's no reasonable right. expectation that it should work perfectly for training. So there's, yeah. there's, there was an opportunity there. Um, and that's where you know, the idea for and, you know, our um, my partner and my decision to kind of invest in bootstrap the creation of this product um, came. And, you know, yeah. it's a it's a slightly different part of the story. You know, when we decided to split it off as a new company, treat it as a startup, raise money and do all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome because you you a you brought up a few of the limitations and I'm thinking back to what you said about the trainers they were just they were just thrown to the wolves and so then you're training employees or you're doing trying to do internal training whatever it is with or new employees or internal training that's or customers customers and it's it's horrible experience because we weren't ready for it uh and then you look at now some of those same employees that they trained up were probably those some of the same ones that are leaving because they didn't get engaged from the beginning all the way through. And yeah, that's it's interesting. And then you pointed out too that Zoom wasn't made for training, which yeah, I never thought in that light, but you're exactly right. So I have a story and and then followed by a statistic um about about that. And um a family friend connected me to one of their friends was this young sales rep who worked at, you know, what they, one of these, what they call unicorn scale up. So it had received mm -hmm. its series B funding. They're well on the trajectory yeah. path to be one of these billion dollar, billion dollar companies. He's a sales rep there. And I, and I knew he quit. He changed jobs and I got introduced to him and we, he and I had this amazing hour long chat and I'm like, 
Jim. His name wasn't Jim, but I call him Jim in all my documents. Mm -hmm. um, Jim, tell me your story, man. Like what, what happened? He said, you know, the culture at this place that I left, I was like learned by fire. It was up to you to figure stuff out. There was mm -hmm. no real training to speak of. And like how that made me feel was like, listen, if these guys aren't going to invest in me, he said a different word. If they don't give a bleep about me, um, I'm going to just move. I'm just going to go across the street to the other unicorn billion yeah. dollar path scale up. And he went and get, get this within a quarter, four of his friends had left from the same company to the same company. So mm -hmm. five sales reps at a scale up in their fastest growth stage departed because of training, because mm -hmm. of a lack of training. And I was like, okay, I can see you'd quit because you're not making enough money or people are treating you poorly or whatever. No, it was, it was all about training. And that had us go down this path of looking into this. And there's this amazing article from Forbes that says 45% of the people who quit a job would have stayed if they were given better skills and training. Wow. 45%. This is in the midst, 45% of the people who quit would have stayed if they were given better skills and training in the midst of the great resignation, you know, as yeah. it's been, been coined, people are leaving because of training. And, yeah. you know, we said earlier that like, I kind of dropped this point about like the business leader seeing training as number six, of the important things on, you know, their list of five. Well, all of a sudden now there's a reasonable arrow to draw from poor training leading to departures, leading to revenue hit. And I can mm -hmm. make that point really easily when I talk about sales training, but it's not just sales. Of course, it's onboarding developers, it's marketing, it's everybody. Yeah. And, um, People well, talk a are... lot about culture. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. We, it, yeah, I was just like, people ahead. talk a lot about culture. And I mean, it's my belief. And listen, I acknowledge when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I for sure am a, a, a teaching and learning hammer. But I believe that the way that you train and provide skill and opportunities for growth to your people, it is your culture. Mm -hmm. I think they're synonymous and I think people are starting to realize that and they're starting to leave when they don't see that there's, there's a future for them. Yes. Yes. And I think that uh, millennials and especially Gen Z's mm -hmm. are much more willing to leave if the culture just doesn't feel right. I mean, because you look at the Gen Xers like me and heck, we would stay in a bat. You, you get paid good. It's like, yeah, I'll stick around for a while. You know, we, I'm getting paid well. and We'll just kind of bite the bullet. But um, a lot of that, I mean, in in even to the point of culture, people that didn't in the past few years switch their hiring practices to have and you talk about onboarding to be talking to those people that are starting two three weeks a month away a few weeks ahead and say hey here's a welcome package here's some stuff mm -hmm. about our company mm -hmm. here's some swag here's whatever and i'm not right. i'm not talking about the the fancy you know whatever tech company down the street i'm talking about joe's manufacturing out the side there 
he's hiring this new welder and they're going to start a month from now. If you want that, that person to be around, you're going to make them feel welcomed and then give them the best experience possible on day one. It's not just stick them over in the corner and doing the, the 18 videos, like you said, and, yeah. and doing that. And then when you brought up the topic too about 45% would have stayed with better training. Now you see how much that's really worth today when you, when you're not just annoyed by the fact that you don't have enough people, your human capital, but you aren't able to deliver products, right? You're, you have to turn down opportunities and, and you look at just some of the horrible stories that have happened because we're, we're, we're stacking human capital on top of other supply chain issues that are stopping you from ever going in the first place. But then when you get to the point you can, you don't have people, it's a double whammy yep. that you get. This oh, is, this yeah. is so interesting because uh, a, I've seen the product. And I think it's really cool because it, it does turn it into turn zoom into something a one person can run. Right. And, and that from a, from a standpoint of just efficiency is great. But what are some of the, the, and, and to the other, I mean, there's a lot of other features of our administrative stuff that I think you guys have covered in it that really, geez, just make it a lot easier for that trainer. But the one thing that I, I wanted to, because we're, we're getting down in time here a little bit, but I did wanted to talk about what are some of the applications? I mean, you talked yeah. a little bit about onboarding, but what are some of them that you've seen? Because I, I think of some of my mind, but I want to see from the people that know the science of learning, where they see the most benefit of these systems. Let me, yeah, I mean, it's an awesome question. Let me give you my, my favorite application. And it's about sales training, right? So now we're imagining there's a group of 20 salespeople looking for some tech company. Mm -hmm. And like, cause inspired by this guy, Jim, right? Who quit cause he wasn't getting good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's, and, and, you know, when I present that to a business leader or a VP of sales, they're like, Oh, well, gosh, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, am I supposed to just buy, like, I'm not a trainer. Like, what do I even talk about? And I'm like, here's, here's an example. Here's a great solution. Every two weeks you get all your salespeople together on sidekick and you say, I'm going to pick two people and maybe it'll be Damon. Okay. Damon, you're going to give a pitch. This is a mock pitch and we're going to give you feedback. You cool with that? Sure. We're going to do, you're up next week. Okay. So next week it's Damon's turn, but there's a structure to this hour, five minutes. Who's ever facilitating says, okay, this is the goal. We've done this. We do this every two weeks. Yeah. Um, and next five minutes, Damon, I want you to tell us what feedback you're looking for. Give a bit of a self-assessment and that's where you go. Oh, okay. I think I'm pretty good at this, but I find that whatever I, I i maybe i'm not as great at listening to their specific needs or or maybe i'm uncomfortable about this part and and i'd love to hear your feedback on xyz this is one of those pro tips like this is like one of the things that's distilled from our decade and a half of experience when you invite damon to say this is the feedback i want you erase his defensiveness because he's now he's asked for it and you know yeah. he may say um whatever, this is my area of focus, but no matter what, he's on, he's opened that door. And then all the other people who might be like, oh, you know, Damon is more senior than me. He trained me or maybe he's my boss. I, I, 
I want to say, no, he's invited it in. Mm -hmm. This is one of those ways to kind of unlock that really authentic feedback. And then, okay, so the next part in the step is, you know, okay, Damon's going to take 10 minutes and give his pitch. And what Sidekick does is it, it, it structures all this. We use the term choreography. It choreographs all this. So whoever's facilitating, you know, they just push a button and, you know, the, the next thing happens very simply. It's like, okay, everyone, you know, make notes while he's talking. I'm going to then put you into breakout groups like we do every time. You're going to go in groups of four and talk through your feedback. And when you come back out, one of you is going to present. So you push a button. Yeah. Boom, they get sent to their breakout groups and the facilitator chats with you or you, you know, you, you grab a beer to get ready for what's coming. And yeah. then the timer goes off, the facilitator brings the people back and now the feedback happens. What's cool about this is like, we didn't, like this isn't complicated, this isn't hard. The facilitator, this could happen without Sidekick, right? Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't, unless you have that five minute part of the agenda. Okay, remind everybody. Uh, okay, Damon, tell us what feedback you want. And it permits us, Sidekick, with, you know, supported by Enable, to, to create these playbooks that can be pulled off the shelf by our clients in Sidekick and just use them. And I don't have to know anything about Damon's company. It yeah. doesn't matter. This is just a best practice approach to do great feedback. And, and guess what else? The VP of sales doesn't even need to be there. She doesn't need to be there. The CEO, they don't need to be there either. This Now the team can serve itself and be consistent. Yeah. And the thing can be recorded automatically. That can be reviewed by the VP of sales. People's feedback gets captured and reported out. That can be looked at. You know, if uh, Bill and Sarah don't show, that gets recorded and can be looked at. And so this is the example I love. And it's not about... Me telling you how to click through 473 buttons on Excel to achieve something. This is kind of a soft skill, right? It's it's pitching, yeah. but it's essential. And, and it's also not just for onboarding. This is the kind of thing that you give to Jim and his teammates every two weeks. And it's very, very low cost, very low energy yeah. to have them support themselves. Yeah. And have them work together to become better. You're just enabling them to, to help train themselves or the, someone to be a good trainer uh, much easier. Exactly. So you're giving them, the, the like you said, the playbook and the technology to really do it. And if someone were to ask about the culture at whatever I called it, Damon Co., um, yeah. any one of these men and women would say, yeah, this is the every two weeks, like we're there for each other. We're supporting yeah. like that suddenly becomes transformational if it's not something you've been doing previously. And it requires essentially zero effort. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good hmm. stuff. It is, it's so interesting because you're, you're using sidekick and zoom and, and helping people really be able to, to create a different culture themselves and much easier. So it, yeah. And this is this has been a fun thing for me because we talked at the top about how Enable is a services business. We made the intentional choice to be generalists and to do something different for each client and then start again. And this yeah. pivot towards being to build something totally productized has been a real joy because now I can imagine these ideas, these best practices, this technology having massive impact. And I, I feel like, you know, the hard work of me and my team now just gets massively amplified. Yes, yes. Wow. That's all I can say. 
this is this is so cool uncovering this with you ben because you know there's there's so many companies that are struggling a to create the culture like you said but b b just a little example and if people are just getting on that now rewind this thing i always say rewind go back i, I you can tell how, how damn old i am right then go back uh, go back a few minutes and listen to you talk about the sales training because that example is what you can be doing with safety with just about anything and you could be doing this with compliance training there are so many different ways that i think that this could be used to just i mean the the sales is such a great example because that is a a person to person kind of thing and that 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 feedback and everything comes in but those those opportunities were letting people interact with others in the organization and oftentimes dispersed because now we work with hybrid work environments or even if everybody's working from their their cubicle or office or home whatever this this facilitates that as well right. um it just makes it so much more effective and it does like says build allows these people to build a, a good professional relationships as well so well ben i just want to thank you first of all for coming on today and talking about it because i am i am thrilled to learn about how you guys with Enable Education uh, learned about the science of teaching and, and then how that's evolved over the years and then to learn about how um, just the science of teaching is, is even brought forward with, with a product like Sidekick uh, and, and to think about how these kind of systems can really help corporate corporations develop learning systems that they haven't even thought about. Right. and make them more effective and 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 build better workplaces and more efficient companies. So thank you. It's my, been my pleasure. Yes. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Once again, on the faces of business, I just want to thank Ben Zimmer. So Ben, how can they get a hold of you? First of all, I forgot to ask that question. What's the best way to get a hold of you or, or Enable or Sidekick? What's the best way? Yeah, enableeducation.com. Very good. Sidekicktraining.com and Ben at either one of those. Very good. Well, thanks so much for being here, Ben. Thanks to everyone else for listening. And we will be back again with another interesting guest. Thanks a lot.